calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. There's an infamous place near my town that draws an interesting cross-section of locals. It's right by the underpass which allows water to flow from the woods to a golf course on the other side. The underpass attracts high schoolers and other delinquents who graffiti its walls, get drunk or high, and enjoy each other's bodies. Oddly enough, the spot, as we call it, also occasionally draws upstanding married or committed partners. They don't go to party, they come to harvest. See, we call the little stream Rose Creek because rose bushes grow sporadically along its bank. Even though I'm sure those people would much rather keep their distance from the spot and the illicit activities that take place there, visiting is an easy way to save 30 bucks. Local law enforcement, while aware of the spot, most of them grew up around here too, tend to leave it alone unless they're forced to go. Most people think that's because they want the kids to have their fun outside of town where they don't bother anyone. But I know better. I know they're scared and their right to be. Out at Rose Creek in the middle of nature, some pretty unnatural things have happened. My buddy Jose told me a story last year about his own Rose Creek experience. He had taken our classmate Sandy out there with a bottle of vodka. The two had just started spending time together outside of school, and while their visit to the spot wasn't technically supposed to be a date, Jose was hoping he might at least get to first base. Since it was Tuesday night, they found the spot deserted. The two of them laid out a blanket Jose kept in his trunk and got comfortable on the edge of the water. He told me they talked for a while, taking turns sipping from the bottle. 
As they loosened up, they crept closer together, and, soon enough, his wish came true. Drunk and caught up in the moment, Jose didn't immediately notice the bizarre silence that crept in around them. It wasn't until Sandy gently pushed him away that he noticed everything had gone quiet. Sandy asked him, where are all the bugs and stuff? He told her he didn't know. The wind had vanished and the creek became still. They both found the silence deeply disturbing. Jose picked up his flashlight and told Sandy he would look around. He didn't see anything near them until he looked down. Two grasshoppers were looking directly at him. Then he saw a cricket, also pointed in his direction. Sandy held him tightly as they saw more and more insects, each one with its focus set on the two kids. Jose kept turning, finding more bugs until his flashlight landed on the water near Rose Creek underpass. Sandy screamed, and although he didn't mention it, I'm sure he did too, when they saw the fish. Dozens of fish of various sizes were staring at them from the water. They all remained perfectly still for a minute, as if a flash freeze had locked them in place. Then, they slowly swam towards them. Jose heard small sounds erupt all around again. He turned back around to see all those insects were creeping towards them like the fish. Jose and Sandy left the blanket and ran back to Jose's car, which he'd left at a nearby park. I've had trouble convincing Jose to return to the spot with me since, and Sandy won't even talk to him. My friend Danielle told me about a more recent experience just the other day. She had gone down to Rose Creek alone to collect a bouquet to give to a girl in her class. She intentionally made her trip while the sun was still out. She also knew Jose and had heard his story before. Danielle snipped a few full roses and was looking around for one more to round out her bouquet when she heard splashing footsteps echo through the underpass. The sound startled her. She didn't expect anyone else to be in the area during the early afternoon. Rather than engage a stranger when she was alone, Danielle decided to call her bouquet good enough and get away from the woods. When she turned her back on the underpass, she heard a small voice say, Greetings. The word echoed around inside the underpass while Danielle decided whether to turn around or run. The unfamiliar voice didn't sound threatening, so she forced a smile and turned to greet whoever was there. But the underpass was empty. With the sun beaming straight down, Danielle could easily see all the way through the underpass, and there was no one inside. Thoroughly spooked, she didn't want to wait around for whatever had spoken to her to speak again. She turned to leave again, but heard a sound like a boiling pot. She glanced toward the creek. Near the middle of the stream, bubbles formed and burst in frothy chaos. Danielle had never seen this before, so she dropped her roses and ran. The quickest path out of the woods is along the creek. This is the path Danielle took, until she noticed the mass of furious bubbles was following her upstream. She didn't care to find out what was causing the anomaly. She broke away from the water and ran diagonally through the woods and into a nearby park. She's curious about what caused those bubbles now, but she's been too afraid to return to the spot to find out. These stories stoked enough curiosity in me to warrant a small investment in some research equipment. 
I learned I couldn't purchase an underwater drone for less than 1500 bucks, but I could get a remote-controlled boat and a waterproof camera for 300 With difficulty, I convinced Jose to investigate with me, and together we took my camera boat combo to the spot. We had to go after school. We were supposed to go immediately after the last bell rang, but Jose's mom called him home for something and we didn't make it to the spot until almost five. I still thought the couple of hours we had before sundown would be plenty of time to search the water and surrounding area for anything strange, though. I taped the camera to the boat's underside, made some adjustments to ensure the boat would stay upright, then we set it free on the water. The only way I could view the footage was to pull the camera out of the water every few minutes and play it back on the tiny display screen. This process consumed more time than I budgeted for, and soon the sun started to set. I could sense Jose's unease the last time I pulled the boat out of the creek and switched the camera to viewing mode. We can come back another time, Jose told me. Calm down, we're almost done, I said. I didn't want to have to start all over on a different day or try to remember where we had left off. Jose watched over my shoulder as I played the video. It showed what every other video had. Murky, greenish-brown water, moss-covered rocks, the occasional fish, and trash. Then Jose noticed something protruding from behind a paper plate stuck in the creek bed. I froze the frame and zoomed in as far as I could. Still, on the tiny screen, it was difficult to tell what the object was. I think it's a skull, Jose said. I thought he might be right. I could make out a long jaw and incisors if I tried. I took off my shoes and started rolling up my pant legs. What are you doing? Jose asked nervously. I'm going to go see what it is, I said. He asked why. It's just some dead animal. I told him he was right, but the skull was the only interesting thing we'd come across during the search, and if he let me investigate it, we could go home. That seemed to placate him. I waded into the area we had just searched and followed the path I'd taken the boat through. Rose Creek is only about three feet deep, so I could see to the bottom if I squinted and didn't kick up too much mud. I found it, I shouted, as I saw the paper plate we saw in the video. I had to get closer to see what was behind it. I bent over to remove the paper plate, and when I did, I thought about how funny it would be to lay down flat and let the water rush over me until I drowned but then I realized that wouldn't be funny at all and wondered what was wrong with me. It felt like I'd grown a second conscience, like my mind suddenly had an evil twin. Well, Jose asked impatiently from the shore. Sorry, just a second, I replied. I removed the plate and tossed it on the bank. Some loose mud clouded the water for a moment. A voice in my head told me just to reach down and grab the skull but I couldn't tell if it came from me or the mischievous other. Regardless, I stuck my hand into the murky water and felt around until I found something to grab. What I pulled from the creek bed was much heavier than a small skull. It took some effort to pull it loose and get it above the water. What the hell is that? Jose asked, appalled. I held up what I'd found. The skull, which I think belonged to some kind of rodent, was bound to the end of a branch. Smaller branches were twisted around that one and stuck out to the sides like four limbs. At the end of each limb, someone had tied a thread, and at the end of each thread 
was a cluster of small bones. I think it's some kind of, I don't know what you call it, a totem, I said, half asking Jose for confirmation. I don't know, but it freaks me out, he said. Keep it, said the voice in my head. This time, I felt confident the voice didn't belong to me. Something else was present. It was inside me. It was all around me. I found myself staring into the empty eye sockets of that rodent skull and sensing something there. Luke, Jose called my name. Huh? I answered, not looking away from the totem. Hey man, you're acting really weird. We need to get rid of that thing, he said. You need to get rid of him, my new voice told me. But no, the voice didn't belong to me. It belonged to the totem. Somehow, it was alive. How do we get rid of it? I asked. Let's burn it, Jose suggested. Let's burn him, the voice said. Yeah, go get my lighter, I said. While Jose ran to my car, I took the totem into the underpass. As I walked through the dark tunnel, my feet splashing in the shallow water, I felt someone else walking beside me. I kept turning to see them, but never saw anyone there. They followed me all the way to the other side of the underpass where the creek flowed into the golf course. I'm going to leave you here, I told the totem, again looking into its eyes. I sensed the life behind those empty sockets again. I couldn't bring myself to kill it, or let Jose do it. Before I changed my mind or received some sinister order from the other voice, I tossed the totem into the water. Knowing Jose would be back soon, I ran back through the underpass and quickly gathered a few random sticks. Where is it? Jose demanded when he returned and didn't see the totem anywhere. I held out the handful of sticks I'd gathered. I took it apart. I figured it might burn faster. I lied. What about the bones? He asked. Bones don't burn, I said. I buried them behind that tree over there. Jose didn't seem convinced, but he also wanted to leave. We found a flat rock and laid the sticks on it. Jose had the idea of tearing a few pages from a notebook in my car when he grabbed the lighter. He wadded those up and stuffed them beneath the sticks. Then he lit them on fire. We watched long enough to see most of the sticks burn. Then I picked up the rock and dumped the remnants into the creek. I looked up after dumping the ash and saw a figure standing on the opposite side of the underpass. I accidentally dropped the rock in the creek, splashing myself. You all right? Jose asked. Yeah. I replied, but I wasn't. I wondered what I had done, and I still wonder. I tried searching for the totem again once, but couldn't find it. There haven't been any more reports of strange happenings at the spot, but my dad's been complaining that the grass on the golf course has been dry and dead lately. He says he's been losing more balls these days, too. Even when he's sure of where they landed, sometimes he gets there and can't find them. Always near that stupid creek, he says. I want to tell him to stay away from Rose Creek, to just replace the lost balls with new ones, but I can't think of a way to tell him. Maybe I should tell him the truth before I regret not saying anything at all. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. 
You can also become a patron at patreon.com slash thewarningwoods. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the warning woods. Thank you for listening. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am extremely excited to invite you to Rachel Uncensored. It's my podcast where I sit down and get real with my friends and celebrity guests where we talk about all sorts of topics, and sometimes we might be under the influence when we do so. We cover things from personal stories to hot-button issues, and it's the only place on the internet you can find an uncensored version of me. It's a side of me that you might not have seen before because it's not the most family or brand friendly. But don't worry, I'm still sort of slightly a decent human being. If you're intrigued, then make sure you check it out. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored.